Good morning, everyone. Uh, remember, kids, no junior church, so fill out those bulletins and you can get some candy afterwards. We have just gone through a detour in our theme for this year. Our theme for this year is destination. And with this theme, we've been going through the book of Acts, the beginning of the church, uh, the growth of the ministries, but we took a little detour from that study to focus on the resurrection event. Those three sermons all culminated to last week with a celebration, and honestly, it was a great celebration hearing the people, you guys, responding and worshiping God in a very loud and praiseful way was just awesome. We're moving back into our study, though, and um, as we get back into the book of Acts, we're in chapter 4, but since it's been a while, I want to just recap where we are in chapter 4. Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and they healed a man who was born crippled. He was lame, and this drew a crowd. Uh, Peter preached the gospel. He urged the Jewish uh, crowd to believe in Jesus the Messiah, to repent, to receive uh, forgiveness. And this caused the priests and the religious leaders to be very unhappy that they preached Jesus as the risen Savior. So they ended up locking up Peter and John the next day. They convened the Sanhedrin court, threatened Peter and John even more to speak no more in the name of Jesus. We're going to pick it up in verse 19. Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Peter and John were very bold here. They proclaimed they were going to obey God over ever following the Sanhedrin, the, the ruling class of the people. In fact, they said, we can't stop talking about Jesus. There's impossible for them is what they're really saying. The Sanhedrin, the council, threatened them further and then let them go. That's the context of the first part of this chapter. Now we're getting into a, a new series as we look in the next chapters, and it's all troubles in the church. Because when you join the church, when you come into the church, we expect it to be all nice. But there's a problem. You're here. I'm here. And we bring baggage. And there are problems outside of the church that sometimes reach in. And there are sometimes problems inside that reach out. And so we're going to look at these next several chapters and how there were troubles in the church and how they handled that. Um, this context is the first part of the chapter. Peter and John being persecuted because they were preaching about Jesus and this is very relevant today because this is becoming more and more the case for all of us who are wanting to live the faith. So Peter and John are released, and look what they do. Verse 23, as soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers, told them what the leading priests and elders had said. It, it, this isn't, they just went and tattled. Okay, I've been with people who something was told to them and they couldn't wait to run and tell. Usually it's one of the kids wanting to go run and tell mom what daddy did. Okay, they want to narc or tattle on them. Yes, it was Brady. 
That's not what these guys did. They came and gave a report. They came to say something positive. They didn't come to say negatives. How can we tell it was positive? Look at the next verse. When they, meaning the church, heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God, O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. First of all, this whole section of the prayer, I just want to say something. This is how the church needs to be praying. This right here is how we need to be praying. And as we read through this, really put that into your mindset. Now, after the threats were leveled at them, this was the response of the church. When facing troubles, the church prayed. That's what they did. First thing, they lifted up their voices. You, O sovereign God. When the church hears believers are being persecuted, punished for preaching about Jesus, they first and foremost go to God in prayer. They didn't sign a petition to have the religious leaders changed. They didn't call their Congress representatives. They didn't form a protest. They didn't start a hashtag saying, stop Christian hate. They didn't lay low. They didn't complain. They went to God. They went to the authority. What does that say about when we face troubles? When we face hardships? Do we tend to form a committee or team? To address a problem. Let's really put it in context of the church. Oh, we've got this issue coming up. We've got this problem. Who here wants to volunteer to take over that? Who here is willing to raise their hand and they'll address that issue? Don't we try to try to do that to handle it ourselves? And yet the early church, they stopped and they prayed. But we need to notice not just that they prayed, but what they prayed. They prayed with one voice and one heart. The Greek really says that they came together and they prayed. It wasn't they came together in one person. They all came together, they prayed, and Luke records this prayer, which means if it's recorded, guess what? God wants us to know it. He means it's important to us. So let's look. Verse 24 again. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord. Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through your ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord, against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened in this very city for Herod, Antipas, 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 there we go. Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. This is why I said this is how we should be praying as a church. After the threats were leveled, their first response, they go to prayer. I know generally for me, and as I've talked with many people, when we face troubles, our first prayer is, God, get me out of this. Save me from this hardship. Remove me from this trouble or calamity. We pray to avoid conflict. We pray for, just let it be peaceful around me. This church didn't do that. When faced with troubles, the first church prayed, acknowledging that God as sovereign, 
and submitting that God's will is going to happen and asking God to give them greater courage to preach on. This isn't a common response when we face crisis. It is not common unless you know who God is and understand his will. I, I want to say that again. This is not a common response when we are in a crisis, when we are under threat, unless we know who God is and we understand his will. Submitting to God's will and asking for greater courage is not common unless those things happen. And notice how quickly the church did this. In verse 24 it says, when they heard this, they went to prayer immediately. They didn't wait. Um, they didn't sit and think about it. They didn't give it the night. They, they heard the news and they immediately went to God in prayer. They acknowledged that he is the Lord, the creator of all things. He made heaven, earth, sea, and everything in them. He spoke by the Holy Spirit, determined by his will. Well, we're just going to break this down. I know there's a few lines in your bulletin. There may not be enough, but guess what? You can read this later and add more. Okay, but I'm going to just break this down. It's a real quick breakdown of verses 24 through 28. In verse 24, it says that they proclaim that God is sovereign and creator. That's the first thing they did. Verse 25, God spoke long ago through the Holy Spirit. They acknowledged that. Uh, God spoke to and through his people. God sees the plans of mankind are futile, are dumb. Uh, 26, the world leaders are going to oppose the Messiah. The first church acknowledges that the attack on the Messiah happened right then. And then 28, even those attacks, God is in control. Just look at this for a moment. Look at this list. That was their prayer. Did they pray for safety? No. They didn't pray for peace. They prayed, God, you who are authority, who are creator, who are sovereign, you who spoke a long time ago and it's been fulfilled now, you are in control. That's how we need to pray when we're in troubles. We need to know. In order to pray this for God's will to be done, we need to know what God's will is. I mean, really, I've heard so many people say, I just don't know God's will for my life. I don't know how to do that. We need to know the will of God. And Scripture tells us this time and time again. To know God and his plan, to know his will for us, his people need to know God's will. To know God's will means we have to read Scripture. You need to be reading Scripture multiple times. Spending time with God in prayer. You know what the top two things that Christians say they struggle with? Reading scripture and praying consistently. And we all wonder why we don't know God's will. We're not praying and reading. We're not spending time with him. If all you ever do is come to church once a week, and that's the extent of your faith, you will not be able to grow and learn what God's will is for you or for the church. And if you don't believe me, have one meal this week, only one, and then see how strong and capable you are. I know I could go a week or two. I should. <laughs> but I can tell you if I tried that today, 9 o'clock, I'm going to get grumpy. I'm going to get that hangry. And 
it tomorrow, it's going to be worse. My, oh, my wife says, nine o'clock? Probably three. <laughs> Shouldn't it be the same way with our spiritual life? When we haven't spent time with him, we get that angry, like, I've missed him. I've missed being with him. I'm lacking him. I need his word and his presence in my life. To know God's will, we need to remember all that God has done for us. God urges this himself. Look what it says, Isaiah 46. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God. Notice it repeats. And there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Nothing is too much for God to handle. We need to remember that. It's not to remind him in the prayer. It's to remind us. You are sovereign. You are creator. You are authority. And this means even Satan is on a leash. Satan has the freedom to prowl out around like a roaring lion, but there are limits to his leash. God has set the boundaries that even Satan has to abide by. Job experiences this, tells us in Job 1.12. Um, Satan goes up to God and, and asks him some questions, and God says, All right, you may test him, the Lord said to Satan. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the presence. He had to even ask permission to do something. Satan is incredibly powerful. He's a roaring lion against us. He's a tiny little kitty cat next to God. And we need to understand he has no power over us. And that's why we need to go to God in prayer of that. Satan can cause harm and suffering, absolutely. But he is not ultimate. He cannot hurt us without God's permission. Jesus said it to Simon Peter, uh, Luke 22. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. I have pleaded in prayer for you. Just think of that. Jesus pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented, I love this. So when you have repented, because I know you're going to stumble, and turn to me again, you go strengthen your brothers. Prayer is not getting God to do what we want. And I think that's a lot of times what we think. I'm going to pray so that I can get my stuff. It's about getting us to do what God wants. When we pray, we are to light our hearts and our minds and our thoughts on His will. When we pray, that's what we're to do. In His model for how we are to pray, Jesus said in Matthew 6.10, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus Himself didn't pray for His own stuff. He prayed for God. You do it. You speak. You move. Let me follow your plan. This explains why the disciples were not shaken in fear or in anxiety when they were faced with persecution and troubles. Their eyes were not on the Sanhedrin who was going to imprison them and beat them. Their eyes were on God, the one who created all things, who spoke. The enemies of Jesus can only do what God allows. That's the basis of our faith, that we have confidence and peace today because God is in control. 
just knowing and saying that, if you truly believe it, it makes everything else like, I can handle that. Because God has already put the parameters around it. He's got it in control. Notice these believers were not shocked when they were taken before the, uh, the authorities. It didn't cause them alarm. They didn't go, oh, well, why did this happen to me? I'm a good person. Matthew 10, 17, but be aware, Jesus said this, for you will be handed over to the courts. You will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. The disciples were not taken aback by this attack, by the opposition, because they had their eyes on God. And they knew him and they knew his will. Another thing we can learn with face with troubles, the early church prayed the word of God. They actually prayed scripture. Look what it says in verse um, uh, Psalms 2, verses 1 and 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Those are the exact same verses that they prayed in Acts 4. This early church went to God and they took his word and they lifted up his word in prayer. There's no match for God is what they're saying. Just like Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, all the people conspiring against Jesus, they failed because God, you already said it. And we're lifting up your promise. We are upholding your word. The early church, when faced with problems, took the word of God, not just for reading, but for actually praying. Praying, reading scripture as part of their prayer. I can honestly tell you, I wasn't taught this when I was young. There was reading, and then there was praying, and they were separate things. But in Scripture, they're praying Scripture all the time. And I think we need to get back to that. We need to be lifting up God's Word and saying, You have said this, God, and I am placing my faith, I am placing my trust in what you have said. Align my will to your Word. Not, God, I, I really like this. But God, you have said this. It shows and acknowledges that God is in control, that God has given us his promises. That we take the promises of God and praise him for them. When we say, God, you have said this, please fulfill them. How often do we pray the words of scripture or do we, again, just read it and forget it? And now the most shocking part of the prayer. This part of their prayer goes against our basic knee-jerk reaction. When faced with troubles, this is how that early church prayed. Verse 29. And now, O Lord, after praying the scripture, hear their threats and give your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, this is an awesome prayer. God, hear their threats. Hear them, God, and give us, the ones who have already been in trouble for preaching, give us, the ones who have already been in prison because we healed someone, give us more boldness to preach, give more healing. That's not what we pray. 
Didn't Peter and John get in trouble for all that? And now they're asking, let it happen again and more and more. They were threatened. And they prayed for more boldness. And this kind of reminds me, as I was reading this, about some other individuals who were told to do something. If they don't bow down and worship the image of King Nebuchadnezzar, um, the Babylonian king, the king was going to throw them in this burning furnace. And when threatened, here's what they said in chapter 3 of Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, notice how um, they're treating him. They're not treating him with disdain or belittling him. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. See how they're respectful there? But they're still saying God's sovereign and more. But even if he, God doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened. You either bow down to this or be thrown to be burned alive. How many of you have been burned? You know, with a little candle. I, I touched a hot well once. My grandpa had done this well, and it looked cool. I'm like, that is so smooth. <laughs> I cried. It hurt. And it lasted a long time. I could feel that burn for a long time. I don't want to go into flames. And I think these guys knew that. They did not want to be thrown into fire, but they had their eyes on God, and they knew him, and they knew his will. They are going to choose that fire on earth rather than the fire in eternity. That's what they were doing. This is temporary. That's eternal, and I'd rather spend eternity with God. Peter and John were threatened. They were told, do not preach anymore. Don't even speak the name of Jesus. And in both these events, God did not prevent the trouble. It wasn't as they were being thrown into the furnace. God stopped them and said, oh, there you go. It's all safe. It's all peaceful now. God did not remove their trouble. They were thrown into the furnace. And guess what? God met them in the trouble. He met them inside. The Lord led them through it. He protected them in the midst of it. I've heard people say, well, God's going to protect us from troubles. That's not what the Bible says. He will keep you in and through them. The Lord protected them, not from the earthly troubles, the furnace, not from the earthly troubles of the Sanhedrin, but he did protect them from eternity without him. I believe they would have preferred not to be thrown into the fire. I really believe that. I, no, I don't want to do it. Like any one of us, but the Lord has plans, and they chose God over everything else. And because of that, people were able to come to know God because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. People were able to come to know God because of what Peter and John said. You know what? You can do it, but I can't stop talking. That's the will of God. He allowed for it for a greater purpose and glory. So don't ask. I get asked, why do good or why do bad things happen to good people? I get asked that a lot. That is a very backward question. I, I just want to want you to know, 
No one who is serious about Christ can be immune from the trials of life. If you are a good person, you are still going to have troubles because you live on earth. And scripture says no one is good. Not one. So if you think you're good, you're looking not at him. You're looking at others. Well, I'm better than this person. I saw this guy. He uh, read the story about it. He got in a car accident because he was um, drunk driving and texting at the same time. And he got in a car accident while waiting for everything to come because he was okay. He went and bought a lottery ticket and won $250,000. What? I think I deserve that more than him. Right? Nobody's amen. Wait, come on. I think we all deserve that. We'll just split it amongst us. There is not one good person here. And we need to understand it's not about the earthly pleasures. It's not about the earthly things here. We are all going to go through troubles. And the difference is who is walking next to me when I'm in that valley of trouble? Am I walking by myself or am I walking next to Jesus? That's the difference. Because he promised not to keep you away from troubles, but to keep you through the troubles as long as you follow him. When faced with troubles, the early church prayed for more courage and more miracles. Why would they need more courage? They just stood up before the Sanhedrin. They need more courage because they're going to do it again. They're going to stand before the Sanhedrin. They're already planning that. They're going to keep on doing it. They're going to keep on preaching. They're asking for courage, not because they don't have it. I want you to understand that. They're not saying we don't have courage. Look what it says in 4.13. This is when they were first brought in. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could tell they were, um, they saw their boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scripture. They recognized them to be with Jesus. That word boldness really can also be translated as courage. They saw the courage of these just plain Joes. That's all they were. They weren't specially educated. They weren't trained in scriptures. But they knew Jesus. And they had courage. They already had courage. And now they're saying, God, give us more. More courage. They're asking for greater courage so that they can do this with a greater impact. With more preaching, more miracles, so that God's name can reach more People, Do we see the theme here? Mark 16, verse 20. The disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they had said by many miraculous signs. Signs and wonders are there not to glorify the disciples. It's not that the disciples were holy. It's not that they were so great that they could do these things. They did it as they pointed people to Jesus. Miracles affirmed the truth of living in Christ and having Christ in them. Lives are changed by the gospel. And I think a lot of times we forget this. Because we come in sitting all nice and nice in our church and we look all pretty and we're singing good and we've forgotten lives have been changed. Including mine. And yours. The truth stands. Because it's true. 
I've heard so many people say truth is relative. Here's a perfect example of how truth is not relative. I want to prove to anybody that truth is not relative. If I had a volunteer who could come up here and let me kick them in the shin, because my truth is it's not going to hurt you. Anybody want me to kick them in the shin? Of course, some kids are going to go, I'll do it. <laughs> Nate, Alec, you want me to kick you in the shin? It's, I don't think it'll hurt. I'm really going to rev it up, though. <laughs> That's my truth. Well, my truth can change. I, I was just given a keychain. And, and it's, it's a really cool keychain. It says, I love bacon. It's a great gift. And I had somebody look at it and go, ugh. You kidding me? The truth is, bacon is awesome. No. <laughs> that gets an amen. The truth is, bacon's not awesome. The truth is, Jesus is awesome. My opinion is, bacon is awesome. And we need to come back to what truth actually says. Truth says the gospel changes lives. Not your opinion. Not your lifestyle. Not these. Truth is, God changes lifestyles. Our belief doesn't make it any more true or not. Just because you believe it doesn't make it true. Our unbelief in it doesn't negate it. For those of you who are sincerely seeking to know God, I hope you understand this. Our belief in Christianity does not make it true. Just because I believe it doesn't make it true. The truth of something has nothing to do with what you believe it or not. If you think the sky is green, it doesn't matter how much you believe it. It doesn't matter if you think unicorns are real. It doesn't matter how much you believe it. It doesn't matter if you believe God is real or not. It doesn't change the truth. We believe this because it is true. That's the big difference. In this early church, they prayed for more boldness in the midst of troubles. They prayed for boldness and miracles. Let's truly examine our prayers. Do we pray with this type of intensity? Do we pray with this type of focus of lifting up God as sovereign, holy, and creator? He preached and he talked through his people long ago, and it's still happening today. And God, we want you to do more of that now. That's the intent of their prayers. I... Can we pray with that type of purpose? I generally don't. I fail in this. And as I was writing this, I'm like, ah, another one kicking myself in the tail because I'm not doing this enough. And then we wonder why it seems God doesn't hear our prayers. And he doesn't move mightily in our churches. Maybe it's time we start praying more like the early church did. And not just for physical niceties. The ending of this prayer meeting is nothing short of miraculous. The Lord responded, look what it said, Acts 4.31. After this prayer, the, meet, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. For Peter, this would be the third time that we know of that he is filled with the Spirit. In Acts 2.4, on the day of Pentecost, it says they were filled with the Spirit. When he was before the Sanhedrin, in Acts 4, verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached. And now here in 4.31, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Is it because he ran out? Is it because his gas tank of spiritness dropped? God will constantly refresh our faith. He will constantly give us our, uh, his guidance, his power, his grace, and mercy. He does this to constantly keep us going. It's not that he ran out. It's God saying, here's some more. Go use it. Here's some more. Go use it. You think this is full? Let me show you how full I can make you. And he gave him more. And this is the great part of this verse. In verse 31, God answered their prayers. That is the greatness of this, that he answered their prayers. When faced with difficulties, when faced with problems and troubles, we need to seek God in prayer. We need to first go to him. When we do this, when we pray his word, his truth, his promises, he will always answer yes because it's already his will. But we can only know that if we're reading and studying it, aligning ourselves to see him, to follow him. This is how the early church prayed. We need to pray to acknowledge his sovereignty, be willing to submit. And when things get bad on this earth, because they're going to get bad on this earth. They're already getting bad. But you know what? My God is still sustaining. Our God is still powerful. Our God is still supreme. And so you know what? Let the storms of this world come. Let the troubles come because upon this rock, upon this rock of Jesus, I will stand. You want to throw insults? You want to come at me? Bring it. Because my God is behind me. He is around me. He is lifting me up by his mighty right hand. Bring it. Because I already stand in victory. Can you say that? That's a bold prayer. It's bold because it's in his scripture. It's in his word. And it's one that I need to pray more of. Are you willing to do that today? faced with these troubles. Let's stand and as we go into another time of worship, let us lift up these words, not just as a song, but also as a prayer to ask God to do more, greater, bigger things in and through us. 